Welcome to this show is not about menopause because menopause is only one day. So that would make for a pretty short show. Hi, my name is Shirley. I'm the founder of Menopause Chicks and privileged to be your host for these important health conversations. This is where you will find quality information and key insights about all things women's health before menopause and for every day after. Today is one of my favorite conversations. I have the pleasure of talking about women's health with our future. Please welcome my director, Amy Scott, and my daughter, Kira Johansson. Hi, guys. It, it feels amazing to be called the future. Yes. Well, you are the future. And I'm so, I'm so delighted that you said yes to my invitation because this is so important that we talk about this. And I don't want to just talk about perimenopause and menopause with 50-year-olds. I want to talk with the 20-somethings. So when I asked you the question, if you would come on my show, Amy, what was your first thought? Yes. yes. Obviously, yes. Oh, thank yeah. you. No, I, I love talking about women's health, and I love talking, especially with the topics we were going to touch on today. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to this. And why do you like talking about women's health? It feels like I love having something talking to other women about something that we can all relate to. It gives such a big sense of community mm. when I'm able to talk to women about the health of like, do you get this? Does this happen? Right. And they're like, yeah, it does happen. It's like, but no one's telling us that that was going to happen. So I love hearing about this. That's a magic word for me, actually. I love the word community, mm -hmm. right? Because what it means is that inevitably whoever you're speaking with feels less alone if that's their, their experience too yeah absolutely and that maybe that's a good way to put it like you feel less alone when you have this community of women i'm gonna ask both you and kira this question but you know what is the very first thing that pops into your mind when i say the word menopause aging mm, okay yeah so um, I obviously have no experience with menopause or perimenopause or postmenopause. Um, and I look to women like my mother, who is around that age. Um, and I think of, you know, when I think of menopause, it's like, it's a later problem. Right. You know, it's, I don't need to worry about that kind of stuff right now. It's a later problem, you know, uh, 25, 30 years from now. And so that's the first thing that really pops into my mind is aging and getting older and experiencing that. Mm. It's interesting that you think it's a problem. Ah, I did say that. Right? It's okay. Yeah. That's pretty common. And there are challenges and problems. But I'm wondering, and when we're talking about dialogue and language that we attach to these topics, if that isn't in and of itself the problem. Well, to be fair, when I was 12, I also thought my own <laughs> upcoming period was also a problem. And now I'm like, it is not a problem at all. Well, <laughs> It <laughs> depends on the day, but yeah. 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 You have a different uh, viewpoint, different vantage point for it. Mm -hmm. Right on. Okay. I want to hear about your journey. You've got a story to tell me, but I'm going to jump to Kira right now. Um, <laughs> Kira, I know I've asked you this question before. 
Uh, I don't even know. Do you remember me not being a menopause chick? Like, it's pretty much your entire life. I only know you as a menopause chick <laughs> and a mother. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so tell us, what do you know about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause? I know that perimenopause is referring to the days leading up to menopause. Menopause is the one-year anniversary of not having your period. And then post-menopause is everything after that. See, all the post-it notes that I have put around the house, they've been, they've been absorbing them. <laughs> That's amazing. And so you've had experience seeing me comment on your Instagram. Your friends have asked you, who is this account, this menopause <laughs> chick's account that's liking all your posts. Um, what do you think that your friends think? Or if you were to even go out to, you know, on the street today and say uh, what the word menopause, what do you think the the images or the words that would come to mind for you and or your friends? Images that would come to mind immediately are probably Mary negative which mm -hmm. is fortunate, like mm -hmm. hot flashes, uh, women that are very emotional um, and whatnot. But everyone I talk about, menopause too, my friends, family, even I've had hairdressers who <laughs> I have talked to you about, talked about <laughs> what you do uh, too. They're just happy that there is someone like you that is uh, educating you sharing everything that you've learned about menopause to your community. Um, but other than that, when people see menopause chicks, they definitely think like, you know, hot glasses. That's the first one. And Amy just used the word problem when we were chatting. So do you know some of the challenges or problems that led me here? Like, do you know my story? I know bits and pieces. I know your story about being in the hot tub, if you want to turn up the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. um, I know bits and pieces of that one. Tell, you want to tell the bathtub story? You want me to? Uh, you tell it better. <laughs> well, there's a couple, there's that couple bathtub stories that she's referring to. One is, um, I can remember a particular New Year's Eve where I was laying in the bathtub and it was the very first time. I was in my mid-40s. And it was the very first time I had looked down at my body and thanked it. That's beautiful. And it was really like a profound thing. Like I've not set, stepped on a scale since. Um, so that was like a real, but it took me over 40 years to get there. Um, and the second bathtub story is not as pretty actually, because when I was going through perimenopause and experiencing sleep deprivation and brain fog, I even had rage and I had rage with my kids and I wasn't showing up as the mom that I wanted to be, right? So I would like get them, get all the things done in the morning, get them off to school, but then I would be like, I can't do anything. I can just get in the bathtub and kind of rock back and forth and what wonder what was happening, you know, in my head and in my body. So <laughs> I've since spent a lot of time in the bathtub, but I do it as a self-care practice now and not so much as you know that one particular part of my life but I think that you know through that process it also 
made me realize, Kira, that um, I needed to do something about it. And and so here we are having this conversation as a result. So that's pretty cool. Um, Amy, when the I mean, shortly after I met you, you told me that you don't have any problem talking about birth control methods of choice um, with your friends or at the backyard barbecue. Yeah. So <laughs> do you want to share that story with us? I think it's very inspiring, by the way. Yeah. So I first started on birth control, I think, when I was 18, uh, which is actually, I thought, kind of late uh, for it. Before that, I had just been relying on condoms for um, contraceptive reasons. Um, but yeah, I first got on birth, birth control uh, after my first year of university. And I, it was the pill. That's I feel like that's like the beginner. That's the classic beginner birth birth control. And I am not that great at taking the pill. Um, I'm on like anxiety medication as well. And I'm so bad at remembering to take it even to this day. And so the pill for something that like is crucial, the timing of it is crucial. It did not work for me. Right. So it wasn't until I moved to Vancouver and I was 21 or 22 when I first got uh, or I first had a conversation with a friend. Uh, we we're going through a, on a hike and uh, my friend was she we started talking about birth control and she had she was on her second IUD, actually. So she had been using them since high school and she still does. And I asked her some questions because I was curious. You know, I'd have had friends in the past that had IUDs as well, but it's always kind of like a scary thought behind, or there's always kind of like a bit of fear behind the IUD. Mm. And to that, I say, there's sure a day of pain. I will say the first, the day you get in is is not great, but the rest of the time I've had it, I got it inserted in 2021. Um, the rest of the time, it's been incredible. It's been phenomenal. And it's probably the best decision I've ever made in my life. I don't get a period anymore. Um, I don't experience typical, any typical like PMS symptoms or anything like that. And it's just been so phenomenal to sort of be able to forget about it, you know, to forget about everything that, um, you know, like periods and cramps and like I do sometimes get like I call them phantom periods. Yeah. And they're basically just like I get some cramps. Yeah. And it's usually around like the eight of the month I've noticed. So I call them my phantom periods. But everyone I've talked to has had such a great experience with the IUD and I couldn't be happier with it. That's amazing. And it's amazing that you're sharing it with your friends, probably boosting their either their curiosity or their confidence. Absolutely. And to have that conversation or, or to ask themselves if that's an option for them as well. Yeah. And in the time that I've gotten it, I've had multiple friends like reach out to me asking for advice. Like, do you think I should do this? And every time I say, yes, you should do this. Yes. If if you're not planning on having babies anytime soon, which some people my age are sh are sure, and yep. you know I'm 25, so that could be soon, and so it's not for everyone my age. But if you're not planning on having babies in the next five years, I think it's a great option. And did you have to like? Were you presented with a menu of choices um, at by your doctor, or your healthcare team, or was this something that you really needed to research and figure out on your own? Oh, I'm trying to think. I think they. So basically, um, it wasn't my. So I have a nurse practitioner okay. personally. So he referred me to another doctor at his clinic, and she walked me through it. So I had a an appointment prior, about a week before I got it inserted, 
And she basically did an internal exam. And she also talked to me about the different options. And so she talked to me about the two different options. So that's hormonal mm-hmm. versus proper. Yeah. I went the hormonal route. Um, it sounded to me like the better option, the way it was presented. Um, and so I was given those two. In terms of like brands and stuff, I wasn't given any choice or anything. Yeah, but... there is only well, okay. there's, there's a couple. There's a couple hormone IUDs now. Yeah. yeah. But no, uh, she just said, I said, hormonal sounds great. And that's what my friends have been using too and had right. great experiences with. And I'm really grateful for that, that she walked me through that. Uh, she's a really great doctor. Um, and also at that point, I had had a pap smear done. So I was a little less scared, which really mm. helped too. Right. Yeah, because we just build up to these experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like the insert it and forget it is really liberating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we still have this society where contraception, birth control, is the woman's responsibility for obvious reasons. Yes. But, I mean, who is taking all of the action and mm-hmm. doing all the research? And That that part does bother me for yeah. sure. Talk um, to me about that. Okay. For one, it costs $500. My, right. I got it before BC uh, introduced the free uh, birth control. Yep. And so it was very expensive when I got it. It was somewhere between four and five hundred dollars um and it feels to to one on one side i get it like why it's the woman's responsibility because we're the ones who would get pregnant but at the same time i don't get it because we're not the ones Mm -hmm. supplying the juice Mm -hmm. you know supplying the juice (laughs) so it's like so it's like uh you know financial responsibility is not equitable no and you know it's i was uh I was, I think I was single at the time I got it. And so I didn't even have like a long-term partner to say, hey, you want to split this with me? Um, But yeah, the financial burden was a bit much. And it's just, yeah, it it angers me a little that there's not really any research that goes into male birth control. Not a lot. Yeah. So, and then um, when I started using it, my partner and I had started stopped using condoms but I found that really quickly didn't agree with my body to do that like in terms of like um we're gonna go deep here so in terms of like odor and stuff like that that would result from that it's it got kind of gross and so it's like yay like we can not use condoms Mm -hmm. but it's like I don't even want to stop using condoms because it's it's not a good cleanup <laughs> and it kind of messes with your levels down there. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we should probably say for listeners outside of British Columbia mm-hmm. that just recently, so in this past year, our province did make contraceptive options available for free. And the reason, do you know the reason? Oh, no. What is it? Well, there was a business case put together that showed that if we pay for contraception, that it is less expensive for our government than paying for the cost of an unwanted pregnancy. Yes, that is so true. It's a good business case. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then you just really brought that back to me to the individual level and how unfair and unequitable yeah. it really is. I, I always look at it as an investment, though. It's an investment that I made for my health. And I would I would do it again if I had to. I just want to say um, thank you for having this conversation with your friends, with me. But thank you mostly for having this conversation 
with others because I think what you are doing is you're removing some of the stigma um, that has existed for my generation and previous, and you're normalizing these decisions that we're all faced with and making on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I didn't even know about the IUD, you know, until I started talking about my, to my friends. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, Kira, you're up, honey. <laughs> I want to ask you, you know, you have only known me as a menopause chick. Um, I think you're fairly familiar with the fact that I am committed to removing stigma and breaking some of the stereotypes um, that we, you know, we don't want to pass them on to your generation. But how do you think these conversations around women's health are either changing or going to change as you get older? I feel really grateful that I grew up with you as a mother because <laughs> I think that out of my friend group, I am the one that talks about periods and talks about mental health and brings up those topics and conversations. And I think us as a generation, like you said at the beginning, we're the future, we're the change also. And so, um, yeah, I'm really grateful that you, alongside a ton of other amazing women that talk openly about these topics, have um you know, brought us up in a time where we can talk openly about everything. Um, even just this conversation with hearing things about Amy and things that I can relate to as well. It's really nice to hear. That's so cool. Um, yeah. I don't want to put either of you on the spot, but I'm extremely curious. What can we do to move these types of conversations forward. Imagine there are other mothers, mothers of daughters that are listening in. Um, any tips or suggestions besides just do it? Yeah, I think um, identifying, I know it shouldn't be on the kid, but you know, identifying the women in your life that you can go to and talk to this freely about, you know, if you have other female role models, if like, you know, it's, not something you want to talk to your parents about, which I totally get. I wasn't open about this kind of right. stuff until I was like 22. So I think, yeah, just knowing or just going to role models that you feel comfortable talking to. Yeah. I think that's advice for the, the daughters I would give. Definitely. And then I need a minute to think about the parents, what the parents can do. Well, and I, I you know, what popped into my head as I was asking that question is I know that I have peers and colleagues who don't even have this conversation with their partners. And so we have to be able to bridge that gap as well, because we know that there are partners that want this information, that they're maybe walking around with lots of myths and misconceptions or misunderstandings about how the female body works, right? So bridging that gap, I think, is something that we could put you know, some investment energy towards as well. Like educating the men in our life, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, educating the men in our life, and if they don't, they don't learn from us. Where are they going to learn it? That's true, right? Netflix, I'm, I'm not Netflix is it, maybe. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Like menopause and stuff like that. I'm not learning about that. How are they supposed to learn about that? Yes, you are. We're doing a show well, on it. Fire, <laughs> right? For this. It's not about menopause. It's not about menopause. <laughs> <laughs> Kira. You've heard me have lots of conversations. Uh, you've had your own health journey. We've 
you know, tried our best to build you a health team. Um, what tips and suggestions do you have for anyone listening about how to have this conversation with the women that they love? Yeah, um, for me, it's just I've always been pretty open about talking about it with you, but obviously that's not the case for everyone, especially if, you know, that's not a conversation that you usually have with your parents. Um, but like Amy mentioned before, like talking openly with your friends, I have gone on hikes with friends this summer and we've talked about IUDs and periods and, you know, hormones and everything that happens for like an hour. And just talking with someone that is going through the same thing and kind of letting all of that out really helps you feel better about, you know, you're not the only one experiencing this. There are hundreds, thousands, millions of women that are going through the exact same thing. I applaud you for, you know, cracking open that conversation with your friends and on your hikes. And um, one last thing, because I think that we can't have this conversation without acknowledging that we are in um, a multimedia, shall we say, environment. Many people are getting their health information from memes and off of TikTok and uh, and some of the content that we're consuming is being written by artificial intelligence. So I don't know if you've given it any thought prior to this chat, but you know what can we do going forward in terms of encouraging people to access right information, quality information? It's so funny you bring this up. So there's always like a joke like, oh, parents believe anything they see on TikTok. <laughs> Or on Facebook. I believe anything I see on TikTok. <laughs> Literally, I believe anything. <laughs> anything. So I've so I just have to get on TikTok. Yeah, it's all say. true. It's all true. <laughs> I've started um if something I hear something, you gotta use those critical thinking skills. You gotta use the critical thinking skills and just not believe everything you hear. Or if you're interested in something you hear about. Take to Mr. Google and see if there are more reliable. Because that's better. Yeah. Okay. But (laughs) I know I hear you. More reliable sources than users six one two three on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I I always do. So if I see something, I'm like, I'm not sure about this. Like I like to Google it and you know see like reliable news sources that might actually carry this story. Right. Yeah. Do you consume any health content off of TikTok? Um, yeah, I actually went through a bit of a health journey um, about a year and a half ago now. Uh, I was diagnosed with prediabetes, mm-hmm. and I, um, which is just uh, could be a whole other conversation. Yeah, but another show, yeah. Um, uh, and so I, I got very into like health talk, like okay. all, you know, um, in terms of you know upping the exercise and the diet and stuff like that. But it's also very easy to fall into like diet culture. It's right. Like I can talk. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Is health talk like T O K? I know it's Yeah, like, T O K. Yeah, like Sorry. TikTok, health talk. Yeah. School me. <laughs> <laughs> Kira, do you consume any health information off of TikTok? Yeah, I got similar story from a couple years ago when uh I got off the birth control pill. You probably remember I lost yes. the period for about four or five months and then was later diagnosed with PCOS. And I think it was around the same time that, you know, I was going to YouTube, going to TikTok, 
going to all these media platforms to, you know, find people that were diagnosed with the same thing who also had PCOS and, you know, figure out what I can do next and what their experience has been. And it was really comforting. Um, since then, I still get like health videos on my account that um, about PCOS still or periods or mental health in general. It's just nice to know that there's a community there, but definitely need to be careful about, you know, the first thing you see isn't always the right thing. Uh, I always try and find like two other sources that are kind of the same. Oh. The same thing as the first one. Three is my happy number. Um, That's a great tip. I'm going to share that with the menopause tricks community because it's the same thing. I mean, myths, misinformation, misconceptions, people making like black and white decisions based on a meme. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's It's mind boggling that we do that, but maybe that's because we haven't exercised our critically think critical thinking, mm -hmm. as you were mentioning. But those are great tips. And I love the fact, too, that, you know, we social media is not going away. So if we can leverage those channels, our favorite channels, um, to create that sense of community or to, to hear other stories, hopefully success stories and tips, um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh my God, this went so fast, you guys. Thank you very, very much for saying yes to your mom. <laughs> Thank you very much for saying yes to me. Anything else you'd like to close with? Oh gosh. Um, the IUD is amazing. <laughs> the birth control is so good. I think you want to have an IUD now. You should get one. I can't. <laughs> Ship has sailed, but I, I'm happy to join you in your messaging and your advocacy. Um, it 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 is painful, but don't let that deter you from getting one. Okay. All right. Kira. Any closing words? My my appointment Friday. <laughs> I know. It's the best decision you'll ever make, Kira. I promise. There you go. And then you've got Amy now in your community. So that's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I really, really appreciate it. I want to have conversations with women of all ages. And you have kickstarted this in such an incredible, beautiful way. So thank you very much. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you, Mom. Bye, Kira. Oh, wow. That was so good. Thanks again to Amy Scott, my director here at Oh Boy Productions, and to my daughter, Kira Johansson. And thanks to you for listening. I know you have many options for where you can spend your time. So I am so grateful you chose this show today. Please consider this an invitation to have these same conversations with all the women you love. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, do all the things, and follow me on social media at Menopause Chicks. I'd like to say a big thank you to all the folks who support this show and share my mission for women's health. Vichy Laboratoire, Ferropro Iron, Feel Amazing Vulva and Vaginal Moisturizer, and Intimate Wellbeing. You can learn more in the show notes. Plus, a special shout out to the team here at Oh Boy Productions. And remember, someone you know needs this information. Maybe it's you, maybe it's someone you love. Thank you for sharing and see you next week on This Show Is Not About Menopause.
to give a big shout out to the pharmacists at Ferropro Iron who have been contributing education and health solutions to members of the Menopause Chicks community since 2018. What I love about Ferropro is that it was formulated by Bob Mayer with women in mind, which means it's gentle yet effective and it will not cause stomach upset or constipation. What I want everyone to know is that common signs of iron deficiency can include fatigue and exhaustion, hair loss, cold intolerance, brain fog, heart palpitations, and restless legs. And if you still have a period or eat primarily vegetarian, please have your ferritin levels checked. Learn more at ferropro.com or order today at purepharmacy.com backslash menopause chicks.